plan. Uh, let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. God, we love you. Uh, Lord, we know that uh, we, can, we can laugh in your house. We can joke. We can uh, understand that um, you gave us the, 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 the thoughts and the emotions uh, for a reason. Uh, God, let us, uh, through, this, um, through this time that we're together, let us just focus on you. Uh, Lord, let us be able to have light hearts. Um, in, in uh, taking ourselves not so serious, but also, but in that same sense, taking you very serious. So, uh, God, it's not um, about uh, us; it's about you. Uh, but God, you want to use us for your purposes, and and, and that's just a, an awesome and funny thing in in, in and of itself sometimes. Uh, but uh, God, you are uh, you are an awesome God. Uh, so through it all, Lord, we want to uh, make sure we are lifting up your name, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, so uh, three weeks ago now, I think it is. Yeah, three weeks ago, we started the, the Ten Commandments series. Um, we're going to continue on that today. I want to kind of launch into that uh, real quick with a quick uh, recap, uh, just a reminder of what it is that we're doing. Um, so Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 um, is the, uh, like kind of one of the, the, the main verses that we used. Um, and there's some other verses in there, but I, I just want to, um, I just want to throw out here again, like the whole reason that we're going through this is not for you to feel burdensome by uh, keeping the Ten Commandments. Because we made it perfectly clear, as the Apostle Paul says, that uh, no one is justified by works of the law. Um, we're only justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to focus on that, and we're going to live in that truth. But the Apostle Paul also says that um, we shouldn't take the law, the Ten Commandments, and throw them out the window as if they don't apply to us. Because they, they, they do, and they're very profitable, and they're very fruitful for us in our walk with Christ. So that's what we've been doing is just kind of, uh, we started last week, we hit the first one. Uh, today we're going to hit the, the, the second one. Um, but uh, in Galatians chapter 5, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not go under, submit yourself under, uh, abiding by the law as if God's going to go, Yay, whoopee, now I can love him or now I can love her. That's not... The, the, the case here, and Paul is saying that, don't submit yourself to a yoke of slavery. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. We can find freedom in um, the, the, the law. And then that's where um, our, our heart and his heart uh, was in all of this. So with that, uh, we're going to jump right into the second commandment, Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20, remember last week I, I said that the, the, the first and the second commandment, they, they, they kind of, um, they're, they're hard to distinguish sometimes because they go together so well. Um, and I learned this week, which was kind of odd to me, I guess I had never thought about this or ever knew this, um, there are some, um, uh, uh, um, let's just say religions, denominations, whatever you want to call them, uh, that, that, that actually have uh, reordered the Ten Commandments just a little bit in the sense that they, they group uh, the First and Second Commandment together um, and then they split, uh, split apart the last commandment so that they can still have Ten Commandments. Um, but it, I, I say that because it's, 
As we talked last week, it's, it's really easy to look at the first commandment and the second commandment and, and want to put them together. But I think there's two distinct things that are being taught here um, in, in these two commandments. But then there's one major overarching uh, thing that, that, that we'll, uh, we'll look at um, a little bit. So uh, in the second commandment, in, in Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 4, we're going to look at verse 4 through 6 today. Um, Moses here, he's writing down what God is telling them. So remember, these are words from God. Uh, if you do not agree with these, and this is what Moses would have said too to the people of Israel, if you do not agree with what, what is being said, you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with God. So don't, don't try to, to mince words and try to take it up. Well, I don't like that. Okay, but this is what God says. This is not, this is not what, what, what I say. Or anyone else, this is what, what, what God is saying. Why do I say that? Well, because I think that some of us today will get our toes stepped on just a little bit. But that's good. If you don't get your toes stepped on um, once in a while, then you get uh, complacent feet. And you get feet that are going to float around. No, sometimes we need our toes stepped on so they um, uh, get swollen up a little bit and keep us grounded. So just, just think about that bad analogy um, as, we, uh, as we do this. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Pause there for a second because I think this is where we need to kind of just launch into this. Um, and my thought here for this, this whole sermon today is going to be, we're going to focus on um, idolatry. Uh, and some of you will be like, well, that's kind of irrelevant. We don't have idols now in the 21st century. Uh, no, I think we have more idols now than, than there, but that's a, a matter of greater discussion. Um, but it's going to be um, idolatry, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's a worship issue. So if you're, gonna, if you're taking notes and you want to kind of title this, idolatry, it's a worship issue because that's ex essentially what is being talked about here. Some of you would say, well, wait a second. What? I, I, don't, I don't have little Buddha statues or these little things in my house um, that, that I uh, worship. Well, what, what it really is idolatry? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's in my notes. Um, idolatry is image worship. So it is worshiping an image um, or divine honor paid to any created object. Now, when we think about that, yeah, it's easy to, to think on, on other world religions or, or think back on, you know, statues and uh, uh, carved images or created images. Um, but I'm going to go one step further because I think that this is what, 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 was, what was being said here as well. It's elevating any created thing to a level of worship. Now, think about this because I, I think that, that, that what happens is uh, we think of created things. We think of maybe, oh yeah, I, I, I know this certain person that idolizes and uh, has uh, put his truck or her uh, car or whatever, you know, a created thing. That's what we think of when, when talking about this. Um, but a created thing can be a person as well. It, it could be a, a, a job, a career. It could be anything that we're talking that has been created 
that is, is taken and, and elevated to a standard or a level of, of worship. What does it mean to, to, to worship something? Well, I, I love what the Apostle Paul, he, he sheds a little bit of light on this, well, actually a lot of bit of light on this subject um, in Romans chapter 1. Keep your finger in uh, Exodus 20. If not, you know, it'll come up on the screen. Because in Romans chapter 1, I think he explains it a little bit more in depth of what idolatry truly is. Because we can get into the, the thought process like, I'm not an idol worshiper. Anything that consumes you more than you're consumed by God or consumed with God is idolatry. Anything. Well, then I'm doomed. No, 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 no. Here, here's the deal. Remember, we're looking at this in the light of Christ is a fulfillment of the law. And because Christ is a fulfillment of the law, we are no longer under the curse of the law. We can, be, we can live free. So if we can live free, Christ does something in here that, that, that provides the, the space, the, 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 the opportunity to, um, uh, to uh, ha- be more consumed with God than all this stuff. And we'll, we'll talk about that, but I don't want your, your mind to go there immediately. Because I, I think here in Romans chapter 1, Paul says it clearly. He says um, that they exchanged the truth about God. So they're talking about those who are, are, are their lives were idolatrous. And I would recommend everybody read Romans 1 for themselves. Uh, but he says that they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So, so it, it, it's taking something that is created, whatever that may be. One of the biggest things that, that I've seen outside, uh, and because I don't want like, anybody to feel guilty. This, this is not guilt trip time. But, but I think that it has crept into all churches, it's crept into our society, where, where people idolize um, marriage relationships, uh, they, they idolize their children, again, they, like I said, jobs, whatever it may be. They, 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 they idolize the creature, and they worship the, 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 the creature and not the creator. I, I've heard it, like if I, if I lose such and such, or if I didn't have this in my life, I, would, I, wouldn't know where, uh, I, don't know, I wouldn't know where to turn. I wouldn't know what to do. Well, it, I'm, I, it's hard-pressed to find someone that says, you know, if I didn't have God in my life, I don't know where I would be. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but I, I think that the, the reality is, we, we is, as much as we say, I walk by faith and not by sight, we're, we're very nearsighted people. And we walk, if I can't see it, then I'm not going to really trust. But, but what, the, the reality is what we need to do is we need to, to take a step back and, and, and analyze. Okay, what am I putting my worship, what, what, what is consuming me the most? Is, is it God and what he wants for me? Is it worshiping him? Or is it my job? Or is it my family? Is it my truck? Because it pulls the boat with the Yeti 110. You know, with the ice down with silver bullets, right? Y'all will listen to country one day and you'll be like, I get it now, right? But it's understanding that our focus is to be on God and our worship is to be on Him. And to do that properly, we have to be fully devoted to Him. Now, proper worship is going to be discussed here in a couple minutes. But what I want us to focus on here is what took place with these people 
really with most, of, most people um, that, that, that Paul is talking about in Romans. He's saying that they believed a lie and not the truth. And that's what it all comes down to. You've heard me say this a billion times. Satan wants us to believe the lie over the truth. Whatever that lie is. Maybe he's lying to you about your worth to God. Whatever. Maybe he's lying to you about um, your, your, your career or... Well, I, I don't know. But, but what Satan wants you to do is he wants you to believe the lie versus the truth. And the ultimate lie here that, that was, uh, was given was that it's okay to worship the creature or the created instead of worshiping the creator. Because, you know, the creator, he made this stuff, so this is good. And you can, you can worship this because this brings glory to God if you're worshiping his stuff. No, there's a difference in enjoying what God has given us. And I think that, that, that we have to enjoy, and we, we, are, we are told by God to enjoy what God has given us. We should. But I, I, at that same time, we don't enjoy it to the extent where the, our enjoyment of what God has given us, whatever it may be, some, God has given different people different amounts of whatever, it, our enjoyment of what God has given us should never exceed into worship of what God has given us. That's not the, the, the plan, that's not the purpose, but that's what the devil wants us to see. And we see here in Exodus chapter uh, 20 that he's, he's combating this. I, I, I love what, what John Calvin says about um, idolatry and, and this thought process. Because he says that the human mind is a perpetual forge of idols. It's also been said... Um, uh, by the, the, the guys at the same time that um, our, our hearts are idol factories. Just, just think about that. Because the, the, the fact of the matter is we were, we were created to worship. We were created by God to worship. It's not if you're going to worship. It's what you are worshiping. There, 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 it's no, there's no surprise to, to come in and, and have a conversation with some, someone and, and, and they, they're talking about their favorite you know, football team, or their favorite, which is fine. We know that God, God, God loves college football, right? Clemson Tigers the best, but Ohio State number two, right? I, I get you, right? Um, he, he, he could care less about the pros, I'm just saying. Um, no, but we, we know that God has given us things to enjoy, but what, we're, we, what we don't need to do is we don't need to, to turn those into um, uh, worship, uh, worshipful things or, or idols. Uh, some of the biggest uh, uh, churches in the, the, the nation gather on Saturdays and Sundays um, around this green patch of grass with a little pig flying through the air because that's where their worship is. We're to enjoy, but we're not to, to, to worship. Um, what is being said here? is that there, there, are, there should be no carved images, no created images. You should not worship any created image. You should not bow down and serve them. That's what it means to, to worship, to, to bow down and serve them. No, N-O, no created images. It goes on to say, For I, the Lord your God, remember, he's personal, that's what we talked about last week, I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God. When we think of jealousy, I think some people I go right to like a negative, like an envy type. That's not what is being said here. This jealousy that, that, that is being talked about by God here, as he's describing himself, is, is a fiercely protected, 
So a, a fiercely protected and unaccepting of disloyalty. Like, I'm jealous of you. I'm fiercely protecting you. I love you so much. I don't want nothing to happen to you. I'm jealous over you. God is jealous over us. And the way in which we commune with God is we can't have sin that, 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 that uh, evades our life. So he's saying, I want to commune with you. I want the intimacy with you. So therefore, I'm jealous for you. You've got to get the sin out of your life. Now, now some will say, yeah, I did that when I asked Jesus in my heart. Absolutely, you have been uh, justified before God. But we have to be continually purging our lives of the sins that is, that is standing between us and our intimate relationship with God. And, and that's one of the, the, the main focuses here that, that I, want to focus, or I want to have with this um, series on, on studying the Ten Commandments. Because this helps us, as we talk, identify sins in our life. And when we identify sins in our life, we can get rid of them by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We get rid of them so we can come into closer relationship with our Creator. So this jealousy is nothing like any jealousy that you have ever experienced in your life. This is pure, unadulterated jealousy. No one, and I'll, I'll say this again, no one loves you more. No one wants to see you succeed more. No one wants to see you uh, fully devoted to them more and fully just um, turn everything over to them more than God. No one loves you more than that. I, I don't care if you're married in, 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 or you're dating or you're, you have kids. One of, the, one of the great truths, and Shannon and I have talked about this, and we actually talked, and it kind of sounds a little bit mean a little at times, or at first it kind of did when talking with our kids. Um, like, we want what's best for our kids, right? We want our kids to be protected. But like her and I have talked, at the end of the day, as much as I love my kids, I, 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 would, I would say I would die for my kids. My wife would say, I think would say the same. Even with that deep passion for my kids and that deep desire and that deep love for my kids, God loves them more. So at the end of the day, I mean, I can do everything that I can, but at the end of the day, I have to trust God that he loves them more and he wants what's best for them. Because if I don't, I step into the God seat and then therefore my kids become my idol. I'm saying, God, you know, yeah, I know you, I know you died and everything for him, but I'm, I'm taking care of them now. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't equate we can never match the love that God has for us. And, and I say that because we need to rest in that. Because when, when we think about, okay, worship and everything, and we think about God being a jealous God for us, there's power in that. There's freedom in that. It goes on to here to say, uh, uh, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. 
You know what I want to say about this? Some, some people say that, 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 well, this is means that the sin can pass on from generation to generation. And if, you know, if, if Matt sins, then, you know, uh, Braden's going to have that same sin. And then Braden's kid's going to have the same sin. He, he, here's the deal. The Bible says that we are accountable for our own sin. But what does pass on from generation to, to generation is the effect of sin. If I live a sinful life and I'm doing something sinful, Gabe's going to see that and it's going to affect him. And by that affecting him, it's going to then affect his kids. <laughs> That's a crazy thought. Gabe with kids. <laughs> Come Lord Jesus soon. Right? Uh, but it's going to affect the effect. I'm sure my dad was thinking the same thing, right? But it's going to affect the generations to come. I, I, I don't say that for us to feel guilty. I say that so understand. There, there's motivation to, un, to, to, to uh, really soak in God's truth because what we want to pass on, because he says, it's not only the bad things that are going to pass on from generation to generation. The steadfast love of God will as well. My, my, my love for Jesus, it, it, I can already see it in my son. Um, and and I, I know that that has impacted his life. I'm not like patting myself on the back, but I understand because I have to remember, I see some bad things in him too. But I got to remember that, wait a second, I see the good things in him as well. That influence is going to pass on. That, in, that, that, that effect is going to take place. So um, it, it would be a terrible thing to pass on a false conception of God. What we don't want to do is pass on a false conception of who God is to our next generation. Maybe we don't have kids. Well, you have people you influence. What are you passing on to the people you come in contact with? Are, are you the Christian? I'm a Christian on Sunday, and then the rest of the week, you live like the devil? I, Again, not trying to make anybody feel bad, but people are watching you. Well, they're not allowed to judge me. I don't care what they're allowed or not allowed to do. What they do is different. People are looking at you. I thought she, they said, that, you know, she said that she was a Christian. I thought he was supposed to be some, I thought he was an elder in the church. I, what is he doing out there? I mean, people are going to see that. Now, I, we, don't, no, we shouldn't wander around in a bubble. No, I'm not a bubble boy. I, I get it. People are going to have their opinions. But what we are to do is to be able to give a defense in which a hope in which we have so that when we're attacked, they may perceive something as being ill or wrong or whatever. But the truth of the matter is, it may not be. You, you, you tracking with me? I mean, so just because somebody says, well, I thought you were this, there, there are times you don't need to combat. You don't need to fight I, I, I heard a, a buddy of mine say this, and I'm going to steal it from him. No one came to Christ after losing an argument on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, yes. He's anti-Facebook and everything, but, and he had a different bend. But I, I'm, you're absolutely right. No one is going to come to, to be derail, derailed or derated on, uh, on Facebook and then say, oh, yes, I need Jesus. I'm not saying that Facebook is evil. Y'all can keep it, whatever. I'm not on Facebook anymore because it just blows my mind what people say and think and think whatever. But what we need to understand, what we need to understand is people are watching. Well, I thought that he was a Christian. I thought that she was this. Well, don't give them the opportunity 
whatever that may be. Don't give them the opportunity to attack because the devil's going to take that little inch or maybe that millimeter and explode it into something it doesn't need to be. Sometimes, I, and I'm a firm believer that I don't need to defend a lie. There's a lot of people that, that some of you even know some of the lies that, that, go, that are going around about me. Um, some, some of them are true. I mean, a lot of them are true. But um, the, the, I, I take the approach that I'm going to just rest in the truth. They can say what they want to say about me, but I'm going to rest in what I know is true and what God has said is true. Because if I go and come at this lie and this lie and this lie and this lie and this lie, what happens? I'm just so spread thin trying to put out fires and lies all over the place that I'm not focusing on the truth. Who wins in that? Satan wins. So bring us, let's bring us back here to the second commandment, idolatry and the issue of worship. Because I believe here in the, issue, the, the, the big issue that is being addressed here is worship. Because in, in the, first, the, the, the first commandment said, uh, you know, you should have no other gods before me. No other gods. The second commandment says, no, no, no idols. If we do bring those together and bring this bigger context of, of worship, what is being said here is two, two main points I guess I want to look at. First is um, worship of false gods. The worship of false gods is being brought to the table here. Now, like I said before, we need to distinguish between what God has given us and, and what we're to enjoy, what, what, what we're to worship. But I, I love what Jonathan Edwards says about this. He says, If man does not give his highest respect to God that made him, there will be something else that has the possession of it. Men will either worship the true God or some idol. It is impossible it should be otherwise. Something will have the heart of man. And that which a, that, and that which a man gives his heart to is his God. Now, when he says that, you can't see this, but he, he says it's small letter G, God. What we want to do is give our heart to the big letter G, God. If we don't give our heart and our, 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 our devotion to the big letter G, God, something else is going to take and have control of our heart. That's where false gods creep in. The other area that I think is important that we see here is false worship to the one true God. And, and, and some people are like, wait a second. Now, I get the... Don't, don't worship any other God, but wait a second, false worship to the one true God? I thought all worship was good. No. What, what, what he's saying here, what is being said here, that yes, worship, it, it, it's a matter of the heart. It's not external actions. Can we do stuff and, 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 and uh, uh, bear fruit? Absolutely, but worship is a matter of the heart. And it's directed by truth rather than ceremony. So in thinking this, something should, should start to really bounce around in your head about worship and not worshiping God falsely. And something should start to, 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 start to bubble up. And Wait a second, Jesus said something about worship. When Jesus was tempted... 
he identifies, he, he says, you know, wait, the, the, you know, Satan said something about worshiping him. Well, how about this? Let's turn to Luke chapter 4 real quick. Because in Luke chapter 4, verse 8, we hear these words from Jesus. After the, the, the devil has, has said, okay, you can, if you just bow down to me, I can deliver you, uh, you know, all, all this authority, I can give you everything if you just worship me. Jesus says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Okay, so I, I get it. No, no other gods, are, we're not to worship any other gods. No false gods are to be worshipped. But false worship of God, to be honest with you, Lee, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what false worship is. And this is where, I, when I was working through this, the, the, the thought came in, I think we need to, to distinguish and to clearly spell out what the Bible says True, pure worship is. Because I think that the majority of our hearts want to worship God correctly. We don't want to fall into idolatry and fall into worshiping God falsely. And a lot of people have different ways. Why well, can worship God X, Y, Z? I can worship God being out on the, you know, out in the woods in a tree stand. I, I love to hunt. But that is not the way in which the Bible says we are to worship God. Can you, are there elements of you can glorify God? Yeah, yeah, yes. If you shoot a big buck, that's great. Okay. No, but the, the, don't mistaken again what God has given us to enjoy as worship. He says, again, he being Jesus, says in John chapter 4. He gives us the, the, the true way of worship. He, this is one of, my favorite, one of my favorite texts in all Scripture. John chapter 4, the, this, this encounter with this, this woman at the well. This encounter that, that turns into a talk about worship. And Jesus says this about true worship. He says that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I, I, I love this because he, 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 Jesus simplifies things. We try to make everything so difficult, and Jesus takes and he's like, okay, shh, 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 here's what you need to know. The way true worshipers worship the Father is in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Which brings the next question, what does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth? Does it mean to worship Him in spirit, run around like your hair is on fire, waving banners and speaking funny languages? No. Not, not knocking that. What I'm saying though, that, that worshiping Him in spirit and worshiping Him in truth, you can't worship in spirit and then worship in truth. You have to worship in spirit and truth. Let's look. Mark chapter 12. 
Because to worship in spirit and truth, to, we have to understand it's necessary as we're worshiping in spirit, as we're worshiping in truth, as we're worshiping in spirit and in truth. This involves loving him, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's loving him with everything that we are. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of your being. If we're going to worship him in spirit and truth, it's, it's all inclusive. Because our worship of God is directed by our love for him. You can't say, yeah, I worship God and not have a, a, a passion for him. Because then all you're doing is just giving lip service. All you're doing is talking. I heard it say, one guy said, as we love, so we worship. As we love, so we worship. True worship must be in spirit. Looking at that one, that, that first element, it's the engaging of the whole heart. Unless there's a real passion, real passion for the Lord, there's no worship in spirit. Part of our, our, our uh, mission statement here at the church is loving Him passionately. It's loving God passionately. Because if we're not loving Him passionately, we're not truly worshiping Him. We may say a, a bunch of good words towards Him, but He doesn't care about your words he doesn't care about what you're throwing out there. He's, he cares about what's on the inside. He cares about what's going on in the heart. At the same time as we're, we're looking at in, in, in spirit, the in truth is important. Because in truth, we need to be properly informed. Because I look at it this way, unless we have knowledge of God of the God we worship, uh, of the God in which we worship, no, no worship is really true. You've got to know the God in which you worship. You can't say, most people, the man upstairs. Like that's ambiguous. Like, I, who, who's upstairs? Is there a raccoon in the attic? No, no. The, the the one in which we worship, we can have a a knowledge of Him. How can we know Him? Because He wants us to know Him. He's given us. Many, many, many descriptions of who he is and what he does and how he loves. He wants us to know him. So having it being properly informed about him is important. I think this is where another part of our, and yes, this is me, I'm reiterating our, our mission statement here, but this is, brings into the uh, learning about him continually. We need to be learning about God continually. Why? Because he wants us to know him. And if we're to worship him in spirit and truth, we've got to know the truth about him. There are a lot of lies out there, but we need to know the truth about him. Learning about him continually. And, and I believe that these both come together because as they both come together, they're both necessary for the satisfying and God-honoring worship in spirit and in truth. Therefore, we can live for him daily. You like how I'm bringing that together? If we're loving him passionately, if we're living for him continually, we can, or, or learning about him continually, we can live for him daily. We can worship him in spirit and truth because we, we have a love for him and we have a knowledge of him. Then our lives can display that. 
But there's, there's something that needs to be, and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it all up with this. There's something that needs to be focused on here. Because a, a lot of times some will say spirit, and then some will say truth. I'm worshiping in spirit, or I'm worshiping in truth. Spirit without truth leads to a shallow, overwhelming, or overly emotional experience that can be compared to a high. Now, now here, I'm not saying that emotions are bad. God gave us emotions for a reason. But if you're just focusing on the spirit, spirit without truth, it's, it's that sh- it'll, lead, it'll lead to shallow, overly emotional, a high. Whoo, I'm, I'm, I'm on high for Jesus. Okay, but the problem is, as soon as that emotion is over, or the fever, the fervor, I should say, cools down, so does the worship. So if we're focusing on worshiping in spirit, as soon as the, the, the temperature drops, so does the worship of God. But here's the, the opposite side there. Truth without spirit can result in a dry, passionless encounter that can easily lead to a form of joyless legalism. If you just focus on the truth, you're gonna, you have the, 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 the uh, um, tendency to fall into the, the, the legalism, the legalistic side. We've got to do this, you can't do that, and you can't, there's no smiling in church, and you can't have fun. We've got to follow the rules. That's what, what, what just truth does. That's why I'm convinced that, that Jesus gives us the best combination here of both, that it's spirit and truth, and he marries these together. And what it does, is it results in a joyous appreciation of God informed by Scripture. The more we know about God, the more we appreciate Him, the more we appreciate Him, the deeper our worship, the deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. You can't separate worshiping in spirit from truth. Worship in spirit and truth. I think that my best thought on this is what I've said before about delighting in Him. When we delight in the Lord, that is our greatest show of worship. And delighting in the Lord is taking the highest degree of pleasure and satisfaction in Him. And when we take the highest degree of pleasure and satisfaction in Him, we don't have to, okay, am I, do I have a good balance of spirit and truth? If you're delighting in Him in everything in which you do, worshiping Him truly, as Jesus says there in John 4, in spirit and in truth is going to naturally take place. Don't, don't fall into the trap of Satan thinking that there is a regimented way in which you're to worship. Jesus says, no, spirit and truth together, go. You can do that. We can do that. Why? Because the spirit of, that, who, that uh, raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of us. The truth in which we have, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
So the spirit in truth is understanding that you have the power and you have the knowledge. You have everything that you need, everything you need to worship him. So God stands up in heaven or however you want to envision God and he is receiving this worship because he's saying, they're worshiping me in spirit and in truth. And I am glorified because of that. So when we look at the, the, the second commandment, we look at this as uh, an idolatry issue. And it's not just an idolatry issue, it's a worship issue. And all of our worship is to be directed to God. And he's made it possible for us to worship him sufficiently. Let, let, let that just kind of sink in. Don't let it be a burden. Let it be freedom. I can worship the creator of the universe in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, uh, Lord, I thank you. Uh, Father, we, we, we do, we ask, we, 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 we put everything before you to say, Lord, can, can we just glorify you better? God, can, can we worship you like, we're, we, well, like you want us to because you're jealous for us? Lord, let us, let us grab hold of living in this truth of worship and we'll, we'll, we'll understanding that, that, that spirit and truth or, 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 or the, the form that you have, have put together for pure worship. Lord, let us be devoted to you. Uh, God, let our lives not be mediocre. Let us press into you. Let us not have any idols. But let us enjoy what you've given us. Let us be good stewards, absolutely. But let us not idolize and worship what you've given us. God, identify in our lives if there's something that we are worshiping more than you today. And as we come forth and whoever comes forth for communion, let that be um, an awareness so that they need to, to not do that and address that and repent of that. Father, we want to come into close relationship with you. And you've provided the way. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we thank you. Spirit, we welcome you. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.